0: Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. Thank you, Roger. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to hold the mic here and uh, make sure I'm on camera. Oh, yuck. Break another camera. I'm getting older. Some of you may have noticed that. And I'm starting to get very forgetful. I forgot where my, uh, where I put my safety deposit box key. had to turn the house upside down. My wife finally found it. Uh, things like that everywhere. I'm forgetting. I'm losing a sense of who I am. I'll get somewhere and say where am I? I didn't mean to go to this store. I meant to go there. So I have to get back in my car and drive around and go somewhere else. And halfway along the way, I'll find I could even... It's happened to me once that I ended up at a second wrong place and I had to go back and get to the right place. Old age. So a general thought to all of you that I want you to take to heart. The most important thing that I have to say today is, don't get old. It's <laughs> <laughs> Too late? Oh, for me too. What I want to talk about today is a topic that's dear to my heart, and it deals with forgetfulness. And that is that I fear that many of us have forgotten what the church is for, what we're here to do. What are some of the things that you think the church, the church universal, the church local, our House of Hope church, maybe yourself, in your Christian walk, what are some of the things that you've forgotten? So I've got here a 21-point sermon, and the Holy Spirit has already taught me three more things that weren't on the list. So let's see, five minutes a point, we'll be here till 2 p.m. maybe. David, what's one of the things we've forgotten? Yes, very, very much so. Yeah, yeah, we forget who's in control. Keep our eyes on where Peter walking out of the boat Keeping our eyes on the waves and forgetting to keep our eyes on the Lord. What are some of the other things? What do you think? Praying for the lost. When was the last time you prayed for lost souls? When was the last time you witnessed to somebody to tell them about Jesus Christ? When was the last time uh, you prayed for revival in your own life? Did we forget to do those things? Revelation, in one of the letters to the churches, says, I have this against you, John writes. You have forgotten your first love. And I think that's where I'd like to start, is to talk about how important it is that we not forget why we're here. God's love And our love for God has to be the foundation and the basis for everything we do, because God is love, and we are meant to be a loving body. So, in order for me to get through this list uh, before the end of the year, I should probably move on here. We've forgotten to be humble. We've forgotten to stand still. (laughs) When I say we, I probably mean me. And as usual, anytime I preach a sermon, it's not so much for you, it's for me. God has something to teach me that's very important. And one of the things I've forgotten is how to be humble. Now, being humble is not being small and tiny and hiding. That's not being humble. That's being actually very proud. Humility is recognizing who you are in Christ and knowing that, serving others, loving others, going out into the community, helping your fellow neighbor, or just spending time with the Lord. That is where humility comes from. Yes, you are children of God. God has created you princes and princesses, a holy priesthood, All of that, you have an inheritance in heaven that's amazing, uncountable. We'll use precious jewels for, instead of gyprock, we'll put, instead of putting uh, concrete down on our roads or our driveways, we'll have gold. The wealth that we will have is beyond imagination. Your front door will be a sapphire, you know. It's going to be nice. So you've got nothing to worry about. Remember who you are and what you are, and that gives you a platform in which for you to do what you need to do. And what you need to do is not what you think, and I'll be getting to that at the end. So, uh, Thanksgiving. When was the last time you sat down and started listing off all the things you were thankful for? How many of you, the last time you prayed for, you felt thankful for sunshine? Remember when the sun used to be yellow? (laughs) Instead of red and orange like it is lately? For the grass, for the trees, for the flowers, for the insects. I had a hornet bite me on the elbow twice. couple of days ago, it still itches. Hornets are part of God's creation too. When was the last time you thought about all those things to be thankful for? When was the last time when you were thankful for donuts? They taste delicious and they are very, very good. Imagine a universe where everything tasted like porridge. It would get rather boring after a while. God made our sense of taste so miraculous, always trying new things. There's always something wonderful to eat. And the list goes on and on. Thank you for friends. Thank you for salvation. We can be thankful for so much. Um, My wife tells me that she knows of a prophet who saw a vision, and the vision was very clear, that when we are thankful, the angels of God hover around us and sing praises to God. Because that, to them, a thankful heart, is one of the most wonderful things in the universe. Learning to be thankful. (laughs) If you didn't hear that, Melody said, he also said that complaining was uh, the road to hell. The worship language of hell. There goes our Canadian identity. I mean you, know. <laughs> you can't complain about the government. What's the use of living? You know One of the things that most troubles me is that we tend to be still very judgmental as a church, Universal. You know, the Catholic Church is going through this really serious problem where in one of the states in the United States for the past 30 years, priests have now been convicted of over 1,000 cases of abuse of boys, girls. It's been covered up and covered up and covered up. And part of me says, oh, those Catholics. And yet, Christ makes it very clear, judge not lest you be judged by the same yardstick. And Jesus, of course, said to us, especially to us guys, I think, if you look at a woman to lust after her, it's the same as committing adultery. We are too quick to judge. And the fact that we have been so judgmental has left so many Christians have left the church. So many non-Christians have refused to come to the church because the last thing they want to do is go somewhere where they're going to be judged. Yeah, we need to be fruit inspectors in some way, but to be judgmental, to be legalistic, is so hurtful, so damaging. Don't forget, instead, what's the opposite of judgmentalism? It is forgiveness. It is love. And that should be our attitude. Those priests are children of God. Some of them are fine, upstanding Christians that we'll see in heaven. And yes, they made a mistake. Now, maybe you've made, not made mistakes, but I certainly have made my share. And it's very, very important that we learn forgiveness. My dear wife looked on, on the web for the number, number of movies that had to do with revenge. She got over 800 pages of movies about revenge. So I took her cue and I looked up all of the movies on forgiveness. And there were two pages of movies about forgiveness. Almost all of them were Christian films. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And vengeance runs this world. All of the wars... We can count them up where people are seeking revenge for something that was done a thousand years ago. So-and-so conquered my country. So-and-so killed my great-great-great-great-granduncle, you know. And I'm still carrying the grudge and I will avenge his death. The number of computer games that are based on vengeance. Horrifying. I don't know of a single computer game that's based on forgiveness and love. There are times when I think we've forgotten how to do that. How to forgive. How to show mercy. My wife has recently been doing a study on the connection between righteousness and peace. And in Scripture, they're almost always put together. Righteousness leads to peace. You cannot have peace without righteousness, real peace. Of course, biblical peace is more than just nobody killing each other. It is, in fact, harmony. Every part working together for a common purpose, a common direction, a common common motive. That harmony that's there can only be done in righteousness. And we've forgotten how to do that. I was listening to uh, a sermon on the radio as we were traveling the other day, and he talked about the mind being made of three parts, mind, emotions, and will. The soul, I guess he said, was these three parts. And he says that the church also has three parts. Uh, right thinking is called orthodox. orthodoxness, orthodoxness, doctrine. It just, ortho means right. It comes from the word for knee. The knee makes a right angle. And so, ortho, so if you get orthoscopy done, they're looking at your knee. Right doctrine. Then there's also um, right doing, right willful actions. is called um, orthopraxis, right practice, if you like. The church should do these things. And there's also right emotions. Orthopathy. Orthopathy. Pathy means um, passion. So the passion of Christ is often called pathos. It just means passion. So right feelings, right mind, right thoughts, right actions. Well, that's not really where I want to go with this message. So hang on to that. That's not really what's involved. One of the things that we've forgotten is to use our spiritual tongue. How many of you have the pleasure and the fortune of being able to speak in tongues? When was the last time you used your tongue? We've forgotten, and we have great joy when we use our tongue and speak in tongues. And I have the fortune, it's one of the gifts God had mercy to give me, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, But everybody has gifts from God. Um, There's three passages in Scripture that talk about the gifts of God. There's a passage in Romans chapter 12. which gives our motivational gifts. They are prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, leading, and serving, and mercy. There's seven altogether, and these gifts are called the motivational gifts. And they are our reason for living. My wife says, I have the motivation of a teacher. I like to teach. If you were a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. So if you see me, I have the gift of teaching. I see everybody as a potential student. Everybody has a motivational gift. It's something God gives you, and of course Jesus had them all. So you should seek out and search out and act out your spiritual gift. And of course there's ministerial gifts. They're in Ephesians chapter 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the five-fold ministry. five, yeah, five. Um, there's also the manifestational gifts, those are the ones we get excited about, and they include tongues, and they're in the list in First Corinthians 12, thirteen and fourteen. Love is one of those wonderful gifts. And they include, you know, prophecy, uh, the gift of knowledge, the gift of healing. Now, all of these are listed in First Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And sometimes we forget to use our gifts. At least I do. The heart of my message, though, what I want to get to I want to get to something that is much different than these things. If you just follow these teachings, what I'm teaching you is this is what we do. This is how we do things. I want you to, this is a list of the do's that I want you to do. And that's not really what's important here. How many know uh, our old man, it's called. Maybe it's old woman. How many know what that means and what's happened to them? when we were baptized like Autumn and Travis were recently that baptism symbolizes something that happens to the old part of us anybody remember what happens death. death the old man is dead absolutely dead i have this habit though that my old man is kind of a zombie And keeps coming back to life and doing strange things, like eating my brains. The old man is dead. The old woman is dead. We are born again, young and alive and true, filled with the Spirit of God. We are very, very special. So, the first thing to realize we are no longer at the foot of the cross. Jesus Christ died once and for all, for all of your sins, past, present, future. Yes, if you occasionally sin, it's really a good idea to confess that sin to God and be cleansed again from all unrighteousness. But don't stay at the foot of the cross. Jesus is not in the grave. He is alive, and so are you. The old man is dead, but the new man is alive. We want you to come alive in the new man. Now, Jesus said something else that's very important about the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God? How do you find the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? It's in us. Where else is it? All around us. Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It is close by. So what I want to do to close this morning is to have everybody stand up. I want you to stand up. We're going to do an exercise together. Uh, You can get in the aisle. You, You may want to move with this. I don't know. We do not do what we do because of our will and desire to do it. We do it because of who God is. We are not alone. So I want you all to close at your eyes so you're not distracted. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now, this is not something you could grab onto. It's not like a handy hammer. The kingdom of God is something not something for us to use. It is a place. And I want you now to step into that place. Use your, your faith. Use your love. Uh, Brother Lawrence says, the practice of the presence of God. Step into Step sideways, step forward, step backward, wherever you can step into Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 uses metaphors about being in Christ 20 times in that short space of one chapter. Stand there in Christ. Now, I want you to stretch out with your faith, with your love, with your feelings. I want you to feel The presence of God inside you and surrounding you. Can you feel his presence? He is always there. You can always move to reach Him. If you can feel his presence in you and around you, raise your hand. We don't look for God's presence by signs and wonders. We don't look for pillars of sparkly dust or whirlwinds or angel feathers, or, you know, jewels falling from heaven. All of those things are wonderful, and they're nice. Manna coming out of the Bible, wonderful things. That's not what proves who God is and where he is and the presence of God. The presence of God you are now in and surrounded by. And Christ says that when you are in this state... Out of you will flow living water that will carry into the lives of everybody around you. This is not something that we do. This is something that we are. We are in Christ. And as we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit will move us, will carry us to do, to feel, to know the things that we need to know to feel, to do in Christ. So I, now that you're in Christ, feeling this, I want you to move over. You can open your eyes and move over now and minister. Find somebody in the congregation. Maybe they're going to school. Maybe they're ill. Maybe there's somebody that God is leading you to go to. And go there in the power of Christ, being in Christ. Pray for them. Talk to them. Relate to them. Understand who they are in Christ. And pray for them with the power of Christ in you. You can change the world, but only if you're standing in Christ. He is the one who changes things, not you. He is the one who evangelizes. Nobody is saved by something you say. They are only saved by the power of Christ. And if they have the mark of Christ in them, they are saved and going to heaven. So let's spend a few minutes now praying for somebody you love, somebody you know. And let's let the power of God interact in their lives and meet their needs. Uh, If you see somebody standing around alone, please go to them. Don't be shy. Introduce yourself. You cannot do the Christian life alone. It is not possible. It was never meant to be done. We can only do it not just in partnership with Christ, but in Christ. Let the power of God now move you, and we'll give you five minutes to experience the power of God in your life and in other people's lives. (laughs) The <laughs> other <laughs> One final thought before we go. When you are in Christ, you have a tremendous opportunity to suddenly see things from God's perspective rather than your perspective. You get to see, you're up high enough, you get to see the lay of the land and start to see his priorities rather than your priorities. And that's very important that we learn how to do that. Learn to be looking for his perspective. I once saw a wonderful card. It said, keep on looking down. Then I turned over the card and in the middle it said, because you are seated in heavenly places. Now, Please, when you go your way, Um, we have to take off quickly to Kelowna. So my wife is under instructions to start the car, start the car, (laughs) so we can get out of here really fast. So before you guys come up here and lynch me, I want to bless you with God's powerful blessing, that you will always experience God's presence. And when you don't, remember, all you have to do, close your eyes, Step into the kingdom of God and feel his presence with you. The presence of God is not external. It is inside you. It excites you. It gives you life, power, joy, wonderful things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. All there in the power of God. And may God bless you and keep you for the next week or so. We should be back next week, but we're going to be away in Kelowna most of this week. I'm at business meetings. So God bless you, and good morning. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.